Well, hello, it's Pastor Carson from Calvary Tabernacle. Thanks for stopping by the podcast. We hope that it's a blessing to you, whether you're catching one of the Sunday or Wednesday messages, or maybe you're jumping on to listen to one of the Saturday snapshots. We're doing everything we can right here in the beautiful Fountain Square area of Indianapolis to try to reach and connect and disciple people towards Jesus Christ. Enjoy what you listen to, and I hope that it's a benefit to your life. Turning your attention tonight to the book of Galatians. So good to see everybody on this Wednesday night. Praise God. I want to teach tonight. Um, I may or may not get into much of this character study. Um, but I, I, I feel compelled to teach from the first ten verses of Galatians chapter 6. I want to talk on this topic um, I want to talk about the dynamics of restoration. The dynamics of restoration or restoration dynamics, either way, uh, whatever the slide says is officially what we're talking about. (laughs) Chapter 6 and verse 1. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, you which are spiritual, restore such a one. But do it in the spirit of meekness. Considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Lord, we love you. We thank you for our opportunity to gather in this house. We are all your grace on display. We are all your mercy lived out in front of others. We pray that you would help us here tonight and do the work that only you can. As we study through your word in Jesus' name. And let everyone say amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Restoration is necessary. Now for some of you when I say restoration. You have bought into the last 10 years. The restoration craze. Of taking furniture. That is new but looks old. There's entire stores that are designated to it. There's one store, I think it's called Restoration Hardware. It's the name of the store. Some of you know about it. I love, I do enjoy that type of furniture. But I found that a lot of it is not actually distressed. It's new and made to look distressed. And by the price tag, it better be new. Can I get an amen? Praise God. It's like like a number of years ago when... When it started becoming a trend to sell ripped jeans. Praise God. All that time as a kid, I could have been a millionaire. Could have have been marketing. I can remember, I have vivid memory of being a kid and going out to the sidewalk and taking my knees on the concrete sidewalk to try to get a hole in my knees. Not in my knee, but in the jeans. Just for clarity. Uh... Had no idea that that was going to turn into such a marketing fad. I don't, I don't think it's coincidence, and I don't mean to use it as, as uh, more simplistic than it is, but I, I don't think it was coincidence when you really consider the characteristics of Christ that his humanity has him as a carpenter. I don't think that it's coincidental, his ability to take that which was, could, or would be discarded, 
take something that was either in its most pure and raw form and be able to build it into something that is usable, something that is of value. Nor would it have been coincidental that he could take something that had been good and broken down and then be able to turn it into something new. Every person in this room is the process, at some level, is the process of his handiwork. Without him being the master carpenter of our lives, we would be a mess. <laughs> we would be a mess. Um, but it's because he's been good. And there is this, uh, there's this teaching to the church at a critical time. And if you'll allow me, I'm going to bypass a sense of the historicity so that we can get into simply the, the principles that are at play here by Paul to the church. And we're going to work through some of these dynamics of restoration because, ladies and gentlemen, people need to know they can be restored. Yes, they do. I have had in the last month multiple people that have wept and told me, thank you for welcoming me home. Thank you. Not just from here. I've been in other places where prodigals and those who were not living for God. Or, can I also give you a, a little glimpse? People that were attending but were not here. Because church attendance alone does not make you saved. We know that's the truth, don't we? Just showing up does not mean that you're in tune. But, but how do we deal? How do we deal with restoration? What does it look like to try to restore someone? What does it look like to be godly in this attempt? That's just a little bit of what I want to look at through these 10 verses, and we're going to kind of break these apart and break them down just a little bit. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, Lest, lest thou also be tempted. And so the first point I really want to discuss here tonight is the need to bear fruit in the spirit of meekness. And I know we've talked about the fruit of the spirit here not too long ago, but I want to talk about it in the sense of restoration. Ye who are spiritual, and I need, I, I, I need to focus on this for a second, and I want everyone to hear me. And if you, if you make notes in the margins of your Bible, if you're one of those people, or if you have a, a Kindle or an iPad or whatever, however you do it, or you just like to draw on your arm, I don't know. If you take notes, please take this note and please let it be understood. Unless you are spiritual, you cannot restore. Please do not tell anybody that you are in the business of restoring people if you are not spiritual. You cannot restore people. Now, I'm going to get in the weeds on this just a little bit, okay? I have seen some people who think that they are restoring, but they're not restoring in churches that are teaching or preaching truth. What they're, they are not restoring spiritually they are gathering people who do not want to believe full truth. Anything that is void of full truth is a lie. And you are not restoring people 
by gathering numbers for your belief system. I'll be real clear on that. I, I'm not trying to be veiled. I'm trying to be very clear there. In order to restore people, I must be spiritual. If I'm going to, if I'm going to have a ministry that is a ministry of restoration, how can I lead someone to a well that I don't know how to get to? How can I restore someone spiritually that's going to necessitate, listen, it's going to necessitate having a powerful prayer life, having the ability not just to read but understand the Word of God? How am I going to give or be an ambassador, so to speak, for restoration if I myself am not spiritual? Carnality can bring refreshment. I don't want us to be fooled here. Carnality can bring refreshment, but it takes spirituality to bring restoration. You can be carnal and people enjoy time with you. You can't. Prove it to you. you. You can be the funniest guy in the group, and every time people around you, they're laughing. <laughs> you, you got you're not restoring them. They might be refreshed, okay? Or they might at least be enjoying their time. We're wrong if we don't identify that the Bible says even sin is a pleasure for a season. And you can leave. That's why people think, okay, here's the nitty-gritty of it. This is rubber road. That's why people can put a particular genre of music on that does not glorify God and still temporarily feel better. I just feel better. It's just... You, your soul doesn't. Your flesh just feels... You've, you've got a seasonal... The problem with that is it is not genuine restoration. Restoration, real restoration, does not happen outside of spirituality. Being spiritual. For some people in this room, you are living exhausted. I'm here to help you tonight. You're living exhausted. You need to be connected to spiritual people. People in your life that you can draw, they know how to get to the well of refreshing. I'm intentionally utilizing the well illustration after just coming through John 4. Some of you are thinking, I just heard about the well. It's intentional. But we have to know how to get to that well. But to do this, it has to be done in a spirit of meekness. Okay? I'm going to have a little fun with this. I don't want to put anybody on blast. But if every time you restore someone, you have to brag about restoring them. She would have been gone if it wasn't for me. Man, he'd be on his way to hell, but I saved him. You didn't save anybody. We have to do it in a spirit of meekness. A spirit of meekness. Listen, a spirit of meekness does not mean a spirit of compromise. Because if I, for me being meek does not mean that I come to you and I say, I know that maybe some of these things don't matter. But just, 
I don't, I don't approach it with a spirit of compromise. Meekness means I recognize I am not the wonderful counselor, but maybe I can link you up with the wonderful counselor. I am not the mighty God. I'm in a book right now on humility that's absolutely wrecking me. I was telling someone in a meeting earlier tonight, I'm in this group thread of pastors where we challenge each other. And, uh, and they've recommended this book on humility. And, and the guy starts in the preface, you know, he's just saying, yeah, who writes a, a book on humility? That like excludes them from being. He said, but this is a task I was assigned to. And, and, and listening and walking through. I mean, every breath we draw is the glory. Everything we have comes from Him. And so for me to approach somebody thinking that I, Brother Turner, am the one that is a... I can't give life. If I have life, it's because of Him. But with a spirit of meekness, I don't come... If someone has been overtaken in a fault, I don't come because I'm better. I come because I'm blessed. And it's my desire. It's my desire that you be blessed. Why is that my desire? Because His desire is that none should perish. Isn't that the heartbeat of Christ? That none should perish? So ye which are spiritual, restore such a one. Can I tell you that there are processes, or there is a process to restoration? Okay? I'll tell you right now that my garage is in the process, process, process. If you'd show up right now, you'd be like, don't look like much of a process. It's in the rough place. Of the process. Some of you are restoring things right now. Maybe you got, you're, you're restoring a table or you're restoring a chair. Some of you ladies and men, you're so gifted with your ability to take something. But you don't want anyone to judge where it is on day one. But if we're not careful, please, I'm going to speak open here. If we're not careful, someone will actually work up the courage to walk up on day one or week one of the process and if we are not meek, and if we don't have that, 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 that spiritual restoration in mind with, with being meek, then we could initially, legalistically, judge them on where they are, not where He's taking them. We can't do that. Yeah, well, what if they carry a spirit with them? You're, you can't handle the spirit. God will take care of a spirit. I'm going to tell you right now, I have found out over and over and over, if it's a spirit problem, God takes care of that usually pretty quick. It's the flesh problem. It really is. It's the flesh issue. I've had so many people come to me and blame things on a spirit that weren't a spirit. <laughs> I got this lying spirit. No, you're just a liar. You just, your flesh likes to get its way. And you need someone spiritual enough in your life that can ask you every day, how honest are you today? If we're going to be, if we're going to be spiritual, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to be in the restoration business. We are going to be in the restoration business. I wish that everyone could be restored. Not everyone wants to be. 
Not everyone desires to be restored. And so at no point in the journey do we get to become God. You are going to be. That's not how this works. But you love them through the process. Okay? Praise God. So we've got to be meek in that. Verse 2, look at it with me. Bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Many of you immediately, your mind goes to love the Lord God with all your heart. You know that. You've got to love Him with all your mind, with all your strength. You know that. But then two, love others as yourself. Upon these two things hangs the entire law. That's what the Scripture would say. And Paul is writing to the church here. He said, bear one another's burden. And I, I talk about this, and I'm not going to belabor it, but it can be very hard to be others-focused when we live so busy. Maybe I'm the only one, but I'll admit right now, there are times when it's all I can do to keep me together. Me and my family. Anybody else? Anybody else ever have any weeks where you're like, I don't have time to focus on nobody else. That's where I think God sets up these divine opportunities. These, these divine moments for us to feel. Can I tell you something? Your, your flesh in and of itself is not prompting you towards empathy for them. But if you're spiritual, God might nudge you. Or you might hear a prayer request on this. And then, uh, let me, let me uh, I'll be real transparent without saying names. God woke me up at 4.19 a.m. 4.19 a.m. this morning. Boom, knew exactly who I was praying for. Went and sat in my living room for an hour and seven minutes. Knew exactly who I was praying for. I promise you my flesh didn't want to do that. My flesh had a talk with God about the timing of that. But it is our job to bear one another's burdens. Guys, sometimes we have this complex where we want to lift too much. I don't need no help. I got it. Right? Men in this room right now have hurt yourselves from times where if you'd have just asked for help, I have. I picked up something one time several years back. I picked up something, and the guy who was there said, man, you're strong as an ox. I thought, <laughs> I'm going to get the next one too. And then I'm going to the chiropractor because that's ridiculous. Okay? When it, comes to, when it comes to lifting and carrying and bearing, to be spiritual, we should be concerned but here's the question. If I'm concerned, am I, verse 1, am I spiritual enough to be prompted for someone else's burden? If the Lord, if Brother Williams is dealing with something, Brother Grissom's dealing, if, 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 if they've got something going, can the Spirit trust me to be prompted? Uh, can the Spirit trust me? Brother Will Hoyt, when it's not my, when it's not my son, can the Spirit trust can I be trusted and prompted to bear up in prayer? How many know that the church becomes often, you pray for someone else's kid like it's your own? 
You pray for someone else's marriage like it's your own. You feel this extreme level of empathy because it's really this balance between the flesh and the spirit and what we're doing. We're bearing up one another's burdens. But why? That we might fulfill the law of Christ. Not the desire, not the preference, the law of Christ. There's an an entire world out there that wants nothing to do with, with the law of Christ. Jacques Dierdoy, this entire movement for the last however long of post-modernity and this absolute uh, uh, almost annihilation of truth and the, the work that's been done. But yet as believers, we say, wait a minute, there's a law. There's a law that's established. And, and to fulfill the heartbeat of Christ, the burdens of others and being others focused has to be on my mind. Let's continue to read. For if a man think himself To be something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. But let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For every man shall bear his own burden. Let me read you some commentary notes here. Bearing his own load. The Bible is speaking of a day when our works will be examined before the Lord. It's the judgment of Christ that is described in Romans 14 and 2 Corinthians 5. And there is a day where we will, you will be accountable before Christ. And that's what it's saying. Is this a contradiction that you're saying, help your neighbor, and then you're saying every man must bear his load. No, you are responsible for your spirit. You are responsible for your soul. You you will stand in judgment. Everybody, let's do the old grade school thing for a second and point to yourself. Brother Butler, you, you will have to answer for your soul. But as a brother and sister in the Lord around this church, we should feel that unique responsibility of making sure that when you give account, ooh, I feel the Holy Ghost now. I don't don't ever want to live in such a way that I think, well, if they make it or not, that's on them. I've got to make it. Yes, I've got to live that way because I'm going to be responsible at judgment. But am I really like Christ if I'm not concerned? God convict my heart. Well, they walked away from God. Or, well, they come to church, but they don't want to be involved in anything. Well, they always got a bad attitude. If I'm spiritual, I'm looking to say, what do I do to pull, to help? Ah, you can only help people so much. True. True. But I bet you're glad he didn't give up on you. Come on, some of you know you've been an absolute mess even after you got the Holy Ghost. And we all deal with the context of our own pain. Some of it spiritual, some of it physical, some of it mental. We all have our own things. We've had family issues and substance issues and, 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 and all kinds of stuff across the board. Chemical imbalance. We've got it all. But he just kept loving, just kept caring, just kept reaching. And so as a reflection of him. But the third point I've got to look at here is in order for me to be effective in the body, I have to have personal honesty. Oh, that's the challenge. 
To be spiritual means I've got to have personal honesty. I've got to be able to evaluate. I've got to be able to look inside. What, how does this play out in practicality? Personal honesty. If I'm going to be spiritual. Here's how it works out. If you struggle with pornography, then you've got to put some filters in place. And you've got to have someone in your life that you are accountable to and with. And it can't just be a spouse that turns a blind eye. And it can't be a friend that never checks on you. And you can't say, well, Pastor Gallion's who I'm accountable to. And you know you haven't checked in with him in six months. I've got to evaluate me and be honest about where I am. Because I have a requirement to get... I have a requirement to make sure that at judgment, I can be presented in such a way that he will say, well done. What are the words? Thou good and faithful servant. You cannot serve him without serving his agenda. Please catch that, because I'm afraid that we, we wash over that too, too quickly and easily. Well done, that good and faithful servant, as if that just meant you served me. You, didn't, you stopped cussing and drinking and, and acting like craziness, and, and now all of it, you, you stopped all that. So well done, that good and faithful servant. If I'm a servant to God, I am a servant of His agenda. Ladies and gentlemen, His agenda is the church and people. It is. I've got to serve Him. As I serve Him, I serve others. So I've got to have personal honesty. And personal honesty is the hardest one. Personal honesty. You look good. Have you lost weight? Uh, maybe. You know you ain't lost weight. You know. Maybe, you know. Isn't it hard? How are you doing? You doing all right? Oh, I'm doing great. You know. But haven't we been trained? We've almost been trained to ask, how are you? And we don't really want the response. We want them to say good. We're nervous. We avoid the people that say not well. If every Sunday I go to Brother Fridley and I say, Brother Fridley, how are you doing? He says, oh, pastor, I'm not doing good. You know what I want to start doing? I want to start waving to Brother Fridley from across the room. Hey, I love you, man. I love you. That's what we're prone to do. And yet we want, we want God to care every time. Don't we? We want God. Every whisper, he's as close as the mention of his name. Every time. Jesus. I'm and we want to know that He comes. If he, and, and where do we go? He, he, he sees the sparrow fall. He's concerned about me. It, it, it's riddled through our songs. We, we want to know if I am going to be personally honest, then I have to evaluate if the characteristics I want out of Him are reflected through me. Great at your job, but are you, well, are you considering that personal honesty across the board? 
It's a, it's a part of restoration. Let's, let's keep going. Verse, verse 6. Let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. And as we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. So my last just kind of two principles on this topic of, of, of restoring and the dynamics of restoration. My last two points. Number one, you must sow wisely. You must sow wisely. What, is, what does that mean? God, I, I, I don't want this to be too simple and yet I don't want to try to go too far. God sees where you spend your time. God sees where you spend your money. God sees where you spend your emotions. I've talked about this before. I feel prompted again. I'm going to say it right now. Some people that are not emotional in church is because they give all their emotion to Lifetime series and Hallmark movies. It's the truth, ladies and gentlemen. It's the world we live in. You have more emotion for the sports entertainment than you do for your spouse. That's a problem. It's a problem if that's happening. We've got to sow wisely. Why do we, why do we sow in prayer? Because we believe that when we sow in prayer that God is hearing. That the Lord will respond. What's the Bible say about those that sow in tears? They shall reap in joy. They're going to pull back that there is a cause and effect. One of the great evangelists of the 20th century used to talk about sowing in tears, that, that, revivals, that revivals actually sprout out, uh, out of tears that are prayed at altars and in private places of consecration until the, until the soil of evangelism is sowed with the tears of weeping for those people that it's hard for those saints to grow. But it's a part of that spiritual dynamic. It's one of those principles, weeping and, and sowing in. I would talk to us about the sowing of our time and our talents and our energy. If I am going to be someone that restores people, then I need to sow in in such a way. Here's how I do that. I have to sow kindness. I have to sow with intentionality. If I want people to be there for me when I'm down, I should probably. If I'd like to get a card in the mail every now and then, maybe I should. Oh, that's so, that's so practical. Amen. Is that basic? It really is. It's the principles. I don't understand, Pastor Lopez, I don't understand how it works, but I, it's, it seems without fail. We'll call evangelism and we'll go blitz a neighborhood. We'll go spend like three or four hours and work crazy and, and touch every house in an entire community and no one, no one from that side. If we go west, it'll be like almost no one. Maybe one person shows up, but there'll be like five new people from over here. Without fail, it's happened all my life. Somewhere along the way, I stopped asking. I'm like, I'll just blitz it 
And then maybe next time we blitz over here, those people will... I don't know. I don't understand. But I do know this. I'm either going to sow into the flesh or sow into the Spirit. I'm either going to sow... Some of you finance people in this room. Some of you, you cannot go a full hour without pulling out your, your phone and looking at where the stocks are at. Seeing rise and fall, just like your blood pressure, just up and down, just watching it, seeing where things are at. Invested in some of you Bitcoin people and whatever, I don't want to get too far into that, but that are watching and, and seeing what you're sowing and what you're investing into. The only sure investment we have is a long-term investment into the things of God. And so I've got to sow wisely. And listen, God will not be mocked. Why, Brother Barkus, are we so intentional about CCS and we talk about it so much in the work and what we're doing and the energies and the efforts of that school. And I was, I was reading through that just a little bit ago. Our apostolic teachers and what we're doing and, and trying to plant. Why? Train up a child in the way that... That does not mean you can allow some that have walked away to denounce the timeless truth of Scripture. The principles of sowing and reaping are, if you plant it there, it can continue to grow. And then the dynamics of restoration are, when... They return. We got a lot of multi-year prodigals in this room. We used to say backslider, whatever you want to say. I just say child of God. Some of us were, some of us were backslidden, people just didn't know. We're very quick with our titles, but some of us came to church, but we were as backslidden. Okay. Last, but not least, in the dynamics of restoration, you've got to take care of yourself mentally, physically, and spiritually. From this text, let him that is taught in the Word, let him that is taught in the Word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. Verse 9, and let us not be weary in well-doing for in season we shall reap if we faint not. If we faint not. I'm going to ask something right now that to some of you does not seem spiritual at all. And you're going to think, well, pastor kind of missed it tonight. But I'm going to ask you this. Are you honoring God with your rest? Are you honoring God with your eyes and with your heart? This is one I know I can't talk about, but I'm going to ask it anyway. And I'm asking me while I'm asking you. Are we honoring God with our diet? Don't sound like a Pentecostal church right now. Sorry. Are we honoring God with our exercise? Whew, I better sit down for this. It's getting heavy. I... Are we honoring God with our temple? Are we honoring God with, with, what we, with what we do on a daily basis? You know why? If I'm not careful, I treat my mind, my heart, my body like I got this. 
I got this. And if you're not careful, you will become, an, you will become a burnout. Whew. We've lost a lot of good men and a lot of good women to burnout that got burnt out in the process. Ladies and gentlemen, every day, I got to find a place before God. And I got to say, I need you to touch me. I need you to help me mentally. I need you to help me emotionally. I need you to help me physically. I've got some physical limitations. I need you to help me. I need, you, I need you to address those parts of my life that make me weary. And I'm going to tell you the number one thing that makes us weary, ladies and gentlemen, and it comes back to that personal honesty point, is when we try to be the Messiah and not allow Him to be the Messiah. I'm not the Savior, He is. You're not the Savior, He is. So when someone shows up in my life or in my world. Let's just use it general like that. When someone shows up in your world needing restoration, please make sure you don't treat them as though you yourself could not be a castaway. Because it could be you. Or let's try this, it could be your son. You know what changed? It absolutely changed the way that I pray with kids when I'm at camps. I see my kids in them. Maybe your children are living for God, but, but when you pray to restore. How many, can I just ask this blanket question? How many of you have friends or family that you'd love to see restored to the faith? Look at the hands all over this room. Can I tell you right now, I have people in my life that I want restored to the faith. And can I tell you, can I tell you this? I believe 100% that full restoration is possible. Completely. There are people in this room right now that you would think are the most spiritual people in some of the most spiritual people in the world. And if you knew their full story, if we put some of their stuff up on the screen, but he's a God of restoration. And it's His desire that we be a people of restoration. Mm, stand with me tonight. So how do I start this, Pastor? What do I do? How do I, how do I look at this even this week? Love without expectation. Love without hooks. Don't give to get. Amen? Well, I don't want to invest my time in them if they're not going to pan out. <laughs> Come on. Come on. We can all think that way. I understand. That's normal at some level. Here's my prayer. God, help us somehow, somehow at even a fraction, help us to love people like you love us. Would you lift your hands with me right now and would you begin to pray? I, I understand that even this lesson is the context of some, some things I'm reaching for in the Spirit, some things that God's revealing, some people that are coming home, some things that are occurring. 
Jesus, help us to love the process of restoration. Help us to love the process. Will you pray for that right now? Help us to honor the process of restoration. That we would be spiritual. That we would be meek. That we would have introspection. That we would have personal honesty. God, that we would sow wisely. That we would guard our own temples with wisdom. Ah, we pray it in the name of Jesus Christ. We want to trade in that spirit of heaviness, oh God. We want to, we want to trade in that spirit of heaviness. Living for God is not bondage, it's freedom. Living, living committed to the Word of God. Living lifestyle disciplines of righteousness. Oh, it's, it's so freeing. It's so liberating. And it is a beautiful thing to let the strength of the Spirit help me extend a hand of mercy and grace and reach across. If somebody, if somebody reaches in and, and saves someone from a pool or from a canal or out of a, a rushing river, it's on the news all the time. I recently watched one where someone runs down and they save a, a first responder that's floating down a canal and they, they form this human line and they grab them and these arms are linked together and they pull this first responder out of this, this, this raging river that's, that's been made, makeshift river in this street because of the flood coming down off the hillside. And it, it went just viral on the news everywhere. But ladies and gentlemen, we're, we're reaching for souls. Souls. God, help us to be intentional. Help us to love you love others, but be interested in the dynamics of restoration. The full process. The full process. Praise God. God, we thank You. We acknowledge You in this house. We acknowledge You in this house. Thank You, Jesus. Thank You, Jesus.